welcome to the Retro Blood. You are all my children now. You want to know what happens to an eyeball when it gets splintered? You got any idea how much blood jets out of a guy's neck? You've come back to us, Michael. Stop the rage. Welcome back, everybody, to the Retro Blood. As we continue our anniversary month here on the Retro Blood, talking all the Halloween movies that happened in the 1980s. Up next, if you like cheap-looking Michael Myers costumes, if you like Loomis slowly going more mad and crazy, if you like explosions, especially at gas stations, if you like uh, uh, evil passing on to different generations this is the halloween review for you because we are talking all about halloween 4 the return of michael myers yes no more uh no more season the witch all right get out of here we don't we don't want to see you we want to see the return of michael myers over here brother jay allison james klein what's happening allison how you feeling about this halloween month how you feeling about the return of michael myers he's back brother he's back Ooh, what's up, man? Michael's back. Um, so yeah, we got tired of uh, of, of uh, witchy masks and uh, stealing Stonehenge, and now we're back to Michael Myers yeah. again, uh, which is fine. I mean, this movie's great, right? We all love it. Um, the uh, the uh, yeah, I'm feeling great. This is a this is a good month. Um, these movies are all good. We're really enjoying it. We're really energized here. This is episode two of season two, right? Of uh, Retro Blood. Oh yeah. Yeah, so we're doing great. Um, yeah, I am. I am fantastic. I can't wait to talk about this movie. I'll probably be interrupting you a lot, so be ready for that. Hey, hey, hey! That's the way to do it, man. Yeah, we're telling uh, we're telling Cochran, get out of here, brother. All right, we can't <laughs> handle you anymore. We we need Michael. All right, we need him back. So this movie is yeah. very interesting to me. This movie is very very interesting for me to me in a, in a lot of different a lot of different ways. So you know, we when we last left the Halloween universe. All right, it was around what 1982, you know, with the season of the witch they came out. You know, it didn't get oh, to do yeah, the best, yeah, yeah, it didn't do the best reviews and stuff, but it still made some money. And obviously, it came on to be like a cult uh, favorite, you know, a couple years later. But you know, almost for almost like about six years, we didn't have any Halloween, you know, film series or nothing. And just all all of a sudden, like, okay, six years later, we're bringing back Michael. We need to make this money up again. You know what I mean? Akkad, he's like, I need to make this money. So it's just really interesting where, you know, between that whole period of time, you know, it's just like, that's how long it took to get back the Michael Myers uh, character. You know what I mean? Because, you know, a lot of times, with the, you know, sometimes there's a, there has been big gaps in movies before, but it's just very interesting. We're like, okay, we still have more t- stories to tell. Yeah, it took a long time for them to have to get somebody that wanted to put money into this again. I think, even though it's which is really weird because all the movies had made money. It's just Halloween three didn't make as much money, 
but they couldn't get anybody to put money into a Halloween th- Halloween four, I guess. Which yeah. is, I think is weird, but you know. Well, it's just you know sometimes in series, sometimes it just takes the right idea. So, what's also interesting about this particular movie, it starts off the Thorn trilogy, the good old uh, and and uh, what I liked about the actual concept of the Thorn trilogy, which is you know it could be explored in four, five, and six. Which, of course, mm-hmm. we'll just be doing four and five because six was made in the 90s. Uh, but we'll talk yeah. a little bit about six probably towards the uh, towards the end of um, five. Was the, uh, you know, the whole cult. Michael Myers is part of this whole cult or the cult was bringing back the evil and controlling the evil. I thought the idea yeah. was a pretty interesting idea. And I liked how each movie, um, you know, they had a little more like um, hints in it. It had a little bit more like you, you, you didn't get, oh, there's a, this cult. Like we didn't see any kind of cult in this one at all number four but there was little hints about there possibly somebody is controlling michael myers so yeah yeah and that's that was really like um in the zeitgeist of the times because one thing that um i did want to mention too that i can see in this now that i couldn't see when i first watched this movie um and i remember when this movie came out like i remember being excited that they're they're doing a halloween four because those movies were just old horror movies to me that I watched on VHS tape. And when Halloween four came out, I was like, Oh, a new, new movie with Michael Myers in it. This is, this will be fantastic. And it was, but anyway, so around this time, um, was when the satanic panic thing was really, was really kicking into gear. Um, you know, like they had, um, all of those like daycares that were people that run daycares being put in prison because all these kids were saying that they were being molested by Satan worshipers. Um, and that was like, it, it was a huge, I mean, it sounds stupid now, but it was a huge problem. Like there they were innocent people that were, you know, that were put in prison because, you know, a three-year-old kid was basically paid to say that they were molested by a Satanist. And the same year, Geraldo Rivera put out his documentary, his famous one called Devil Worship, Exposing Satan's Underground, which if you've never seen that, you should watch it. Um, I mean, it is interesting. Um, it, it's probably he's probably completely full of shit, but it is it, it is interesting. Um, so people were like really, really in, or really, really not into, but really, really afraid of like satanic cults during this time. So the Thorn trilogy made sense, or to think about going into that that there's a satanic cult that's controlling, you know, that's controlling Michael, and because that's what everybody was afraid of, right? They're gonna make these people come kill you. So, you know, give churches all your money or whatever it was for. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I actually like the idea of the Thor- Thorn trilogy. I just feel like in six, they ruined it. Yeah. Four and five are both. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did, did they ever? <laughs> <laughs> did came they out, ever? Came out of nowhere with that one. But yes, I mean, we'll talk about some of the production uh, here, here in a little bit on the actual uh, Halloween 4 movie because it's pretty interesting. Uh, some of the notes I found on there. But like every retro bled. We talk about what was going on in pro wrestling in metal around the release date of Halloween Four. So you know, when when you listen to our podcast, you don't only get a Snickers, but you also get a couple extra treats on top of that as well, too. So um, the release date for Halloween Four was October twenty first, nineteen eighty eight. So we're continuing our October months of releases for the Halloween films, which only makes sense, you know, if you have a Halloween movie release, might as well release it in October. Um, but, uh, how about we start a little bit with the, the metal right now? Um, I know you found something, but I also found, uh, an album that was actually released on the exact date that this movie was released. 
And we talked about this band before. Um, I, I'm like a hit or miss fan with this one. Uh, I probably would have checked out the album a little bit, you know, see if it was any good or better than the last one we talked about. But on this date, the band Quiet Riot released their album QR. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently this is the, uh, the band's only album with the singer, uh, Paul Shortenton. So, and this, apparently this album has also reached 109, 109th on the Billboard charts as well. So, do you have Which any recollection? terrible at the time. Yes. Did you have any uh, recollection of this album? Anything about Quiet Riot, about this album? Hell, hell no. I mean, I have, I know about Quiet Riot, but I, I've never heard this album. I think I've only ever heard two Quiet Riot songs in my whole life, which is uh, Metal Health and uh, Come On, Come On, Fill the Noise. Yeah. Um, which was had, which had Kevin DeBrow as a singer. He's like the famous uh, Quiet Riot singer. Um, but they originally had Randy Rhodes was in Quiet Riot originally before he left to join Ozzy's band. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm not a huge fan of Quiet Riot. I'm sure they're great people, but um, just not just not a huge fan personally. Yeah. Did you listen to any of this? Um, I listened to some of it. I mean, it was it was it was all right. You know, they're they're not my type type of uh, cup of tea either. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. I don't know. Like maybe there's some quiet, super big Quiet Riot fans out there and stuff. But you know, I thought it was some of it was okay. Um, so, so, so if we'd gone to the record store to buy something new and this was the only thing that was out, yeah, would we have bought this or would we have just bought nothing and just listened to something else, something old again? It depends. So it depends <laughs> what's also happening around this particular month as well. Um, let me see if this album came out around this time because I'd probably still be rocking it. So I actually been listening to a lot of docking uh, yeah. l- lately. And rocking with docking because I mean, we talked about them last uh, well, mm-hmm. last year here on the Retro Blood because yeah. obviously they did that um song Dream Warriors for the Freddy movies. Yep. So I've been mm-hmm. checking them out, you know, I mean, getting a little bit more down on them. Um, they probably around 1988 they already released their yeah, so Back for the Attack was already happening, it's already that's already been a year in. So yep. you know, I might have I might have checked them out, you know, the Quiet Riot maybe gave them a shot and everything. Um, like I said, I, I didn't listen to too much of this album. I just none of this is pretty crazy where this album actually got released on the actual date that Halloween um, four did. Um, but maybe we'll play a little bit, you know, some Quiet Riot on the Facebook page. Everybody check them out. Like I said, I'm not the. I'm kind of like with you on this one. Like they're they're an okay band, but I don't think there would be like anything I would like, you know, br- break down and see and everything. But you know, they have a couple good songs uh the joker was a pretty good song i listened to them on there not too bad and okay. then um empty promises you know towards the end so a couple a couple good tracks but uh maybe we'll play a little bit of the quiet ride on here for for more fans you know sorry we couldn't give them more in the detail just you know sometimes we find bands you know of stuff that we find that we're not too familiar with but at least it's pretty interesting so you know if you're headed on the halloween four at the time you want to play some tracks want to get a new hot record out might as well check out the Quiet Riot. See what's happening. Might as well. Did you have anything else for us on the metal? Uh, the only thing I have two album releases that came out around this time. Um, with my uh, continuing on with my um, uh, love of uh, obscure heavy metal bands, 
um, the Argentinian hair metal band Rada Blanca released their first album uh, like four days before this came out. So it's unlikely that we would have bought this at our local record store. But, um, I mean, it's pretty good for what it is. The cover of the album uh, looks like... Uh, uh, it doesn't look like... The the music on it doesn't look like what you would think the cover would be like based on the cover. Yeah. Um. But uh, it's like it has this really cool like dark castle. It looks like a some kind of like, uh, you know, like sword and sorcery type thing. But they're like a hair metal band. So um, I mean, they're pretty good. You know, for what the for for what they are. Um, their songs are entirely in Spanish, which is kind of cool. Um, and also, um, I bring in the. Because I don't think we'll talk about another movie that came out around this time, so I just wanted to mention it. Um, uh, the first on October thirty first, so a week, you know, a, few, a week after this, um, the first uh, Soundgarden full length came out, which was Ultra Mega OK. Um, so Soundgarden kind of got started um, this month too in nineteen eighty eight. Um, this is not a great Soundgarden. I mean, the songs are good. But the band themselves, I think, didn't really like this album because the guy that produced it didn't really understand what they were supposed to sound like. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't really sound like Soundgarden. It's not real, real heavy, um, like their like their next albums would be. Um, but uh, but yeah, I'm a huge Soundgarden fan. I don't know if you've ever, if you've listened to them much. Um, I heard but, a I lot mean, of their eighty. I mean, they're a lot of their '90s stuff. They're a little bit more yeah, like grungy. Yeah. Yeah, after they got bigger. Yeah, I like I like I like Soundgarden a lot. Um, I met Chris Cornell once. Did I ever tell you that story? Oh wow! No, go ahead. Um, yeah, so I met him actually uh, right before he died. Um, so he died in May of uh, he died in May, and I met him the November before because me and a friend, a really good friend of mine, uh, drove um, up from where we live to uh, Philadelphia to see Temple of the Dog, which was like a it was like a pre Pearl Jam side project that Chris Cornell did. So Chris Cornell was a singer, and then the guys in Pearl Jam basically were his backing band, but it's before they were Pearl Jam though. And um, uh, they uh, so they they got together to do one tour that had like five or six shows in it, and that's uh, what ended up being the only tour they ever did because Chris died like six months later. But um, but yeah, we we went to Philadelphia to the Tower Theater to see Temple of the Dog, and after the show, we were just like hanging out behind the uh behind the venue to see if we could meet anybody and they hadn't blocked off streets or anything and there were a few people standing out there and we were just kind of standing around the streets talking in the street talking um and chris cornell walked out and he just walked out in the middle of the street and just started talking to people he was incredibly nice um and i got a poster that i had him sign and talked to him for a couple of minutes and he seemed like really he was really nice but he just he didn't talk a lot he was kind of like quiet like he wasn't really gregarious i guess is the mm -hmm. word like you know he wasn't like you know smiling or anything like that um but he was he was talking to people and he was really nice um and uh it was really cool and then you know six months later he tragically died which was look a really sad day in my opinion because I, he was so so talented and yes. uh I, it was it was unexpected to lose chris like that um being a huge fan that i am that was kind of kind of devastating at the time yeah it was i mean i remember you know, I wasn't the biggest Soundgarden fan. I think didn't they have the video where like, I think it grossed me out as a kid. This is the I I'm pretty sure this is the Soundgarden where the, it's like the Black Hole Sun, right? Is that what's called? Black Hole Sun was like the psychedelic one where yeah. it had like uh, 
Yeah, it was like a psychedelic. It was a slow song. It had yeah. like a psychedelic kind of look to it, the video. I used to watch that video all the time when I was a kid. And all I remember is that one girl spitting up her fucking ice cream. It was like <laughs> grained in my head. It was like, oh, this is so gross, but the song's so cool. So that's my only uh, that's my only audio that's slave. Only, that's your sound garden. Sorry, sorry, I was gonna say audio <laughs> slave. That's my only sound garden like memory is like hearing that song all the time on MTV and seeing that freaking girl yeah. spit up her damn ice cream. It grossed me yeah. out. Yeah, back in the glory days of MTV when the top video would play once every hour. Yes, I mean all the time. I mean I remember seeing oh, yeah. that song all the time. So, but that's a pretty wild story. So, um, but yeah. I mean, you know, definitely a lot of a lot of stuff happened. This is actually one of my. I th- we talked about this before, and I've always talked yeah. about this before. 1988, like anywhere from set 1987, 88, 99, was like a really interesting uh, period for me. Uh, There's a lot mm-hmm. of good wrestling happening at this time. You know, we're deep into like the the Hulkamania. We're deep into like the height of the 80s. Uh, around this time as well, you know, WrestleManias, a couple WrestleManias have already happened. We're getting Survivor Series going, you know, on the WWF side. Um, you know, Ric yeah. Flair and the Four Horsemen are taking over the territories, you know, when it comes to Crockett. Um, just a lot of good wrestling, a lot of War Games matches happening uh, around yeah. this time. You know, a lot of good albums coming out. Um, horror movies are kind of hit or miss. You know, a lot of them are, are being a lot more cheesy nowadays, which I like yeah. the cheese. We talked about that before. I love the cheese, brother. Um, And, you know, there's also a lot of good ones in in development as well, too. I just think this is a very fun period for all three things that we talk about. Um, Yeah, it was a weird time. Like like I was saying, like, I remember this time specifically because I was old enough to, like, to really understand what was going on with everything. And like I said, I remember when this came out. um, I remember watching it. Um, but yeah, it's kind of weird. Like, like, like when you look back on it, like metal, the way metal was like hair metal was like the king of everything at this point. Like it, it, it had pushed itself so far that, and it got so big that it was like a parody of itself. Now, you know, you had the warrant band, like bands like warrant that were out that were like, not even good. Like these bands weren't even good anymore. They were just like, well, is it a hair metal band? Let's sign it. You know? And then yeah. all these bands were coming out that sucked. Um, and then they were, uh, and, um, you know, and, and it's 1988 going into 1989 and they thought they were on top of the world. And then two years later, grunge would come along and kill all of Boom, them. Kill it's just of weird it. to think about that now. Yeah. 91, it was over. Yeah. It is pretty crazy to see how that happened. You know, like that whole transition from the hair and it just going downwards, you know, sometimes when yeah. the, the, the thing is, sometimes when something gets so popular and stuff, you know, everybody starts to copy it and everything. It just loses its originality. And then the grunge mm-hmm. came and freaking nobody saw that kind of style of music, you know, kind of going with the time, especially like it probably hit a lot of teenagers, you know, around that particular time. And, you know, yeah, like me, like yeah. it hit like, yeah, when when Soundgarden, Pearl Jam and I guess, you know, and Nirvana, I guess when those bands came out, it was like, wow, Smashing Pumpkins first album, when all that stuff came out, I was like, wow, this is like like music that I actually like. It's actually good music, you know, that with lyrics about things that mean something, yeah. but it still has that heavy sound. So yeah, it was, uh, that was, it was like, it was weird. It was almost like an overnight thing. It was just like one day, I, the way I look back on it now is like, it's one day it's like hair metal is the king of the world. And the next day it's like gone. Boom. Switch out there, brother. Like, like the, like the flip of the switch. And wrestling, exactly. and wrestling was a little bit like that too. You know, we had the ho- the the height of Hulkamania, 
in the WWF, and everybody's jacked to the big, you know, freaking big muscle, muscular men. Uh, yep. What would a big EC, you know, big, be, be, big beefy men pounding beef on each other? Yep. <laughs> Just throwing each other around, monsters everywhere. 92, 93, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, uh, top stars in the company. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, that was a little different because you know, we were, were getting a little bit more into the steroid try era. But it's just crazy how how the '80s were compared to how the '90s were, were are going to be. So, but speaking about wrestling, um, there was a particular WWF uh, house show that happened on the exact date the Halloween Four was released. So, if we huh. were around the St. Paul, Minnesota, uh, in the St. Paul Civic Center on October twenty first, nineteen eighty eight. We would have saw Brutus the Beefcake defeating Retro Blood alum, our main man, Ron Bass. Ron Bass. I knew it. Ron Bass comes back to the Retro Blood. Ron Bass has made it back to the Retro Blood, brother. His freaking, uh, uh, well, uh, was it uh, uh, Fuzz Top or Blonde Fuzz Top <laughs> or something? This guy right here. Is, is Ron Bass still alive? Boy, I don't know. Put me on the spot. I'm I'm gonna guess yes, but if we <laughs> do, if too. we do, we got. I would love to interview him for the show. That's what I was gonna say. Like we great. should uh, see if he's on cameo. Yeah, and maybe we could hire him to be on our show. <laughs> we could. I mean, we could talk. About I would it. love to ask Ron Bass for a Ron Bass show. Do you gotta let me know what was happening around 1988 when <laughs> on on Halloween? Did you watch Halloween Four? Let me know if you saw it in the movie or not. All right. He's probably just like I don't. I, he's like I don't remember, brother. Just pay me. Exactly. I don't remember, bro. I was just sitting there eating, drinking some beer, playing poker, and doing some cigars, brother. Yeah, we, like, we talk about you all the time on our show, Ron. You should come. Well, you know, it's so fascinating. It. Like you know, you know, people will probably want to ask these wrestlers. Okay, you know, what did you do in this match? What did you do in this match? What, what was the angle? Did you have any backstage fights? I would like to see, like, all right, Ron Bass, this was when Halloween 4 came out. Like, did you watch that movie, or did you go near it? Did you even care about Halloween? Did you even like horror movies? <laughs> like, come on, man, let me know. What did you think about it? Uh, yeah, we could interview him and not talk about wrestling at all. Yeah, <laughs> just not talk about anything about wrestling. Yes. You know, like, what? I would, I would ask him, though, so what was your finish again? Was it a punch? <laughs> okay, I got gotcha. you. So the next match we have is Mr. Perfect, which was a fantastic wrestler around this particular time. Which he's always been a fantastic wrestler. I was I was like um I think Mr. Perfect is probably one of the best like wrestling characters ever. Mm-hmm. Like you can get this you it's one of those guys, it's kind of like a Seth Rollins in a way. But a little bit less annoying. You could put yeah. him in anything. You could put him at the opening match. It'd be great. You could put him in the middle match. It'd be great. You could put him against a main eventer. It's going to be great. Like You could put him anywhere in any part of the card, and you know you're going to get a quality performance and a good character and a good yeah. promo, too. Yeah. Or you want to give him a 20-minute? Well, go ahead. Fine. No, no, no. I was going to say, but yeah, I mean, but the Mr. Perfect gimmick, I mean, obviously it was a gimmick, but I mean... That's not too far off either, because I mean, Kurt Henning yeah. was a fantastic professional wrestler, one of the best of all time. Exactly. And I wouldn't say I'm not going to say he's a perfect professional wrestler, but he was. I mean, he could do anything, and he could he could wrestle any kind of match. And I think that's why the Mister Perfect gimmick works so well is because he could literally do anything in wrestling that he needed to do. Exactly. You know, he could he could be in hardcore matches. He could be in uh, 
you know, he could be in technical wrestling matches. He could pretty much do anything. And then later on, like I was a huge fan when later on when he was in the uh, what was it the the West Texas Rednecks oh, yeah. or the East Texas <laughs> Rednecks? No, no, West Texas West Texas Rednecks, brother. <laughs> West Te- Texas Rednecks. So West Texas. What what towns are in West Texas? I've never been to Texas. I know you. Like, I don't know. I'm from Dallas, brother. I don't <laughs> never go out to that West Texas. Was that Waco or maybe? I don't know. Oh, uh, maybe East Texas. Is that where Dallas is? Oh, probably. I don't fucking remember. <laughs> Well, I mean, you're from there. I like maybe you know, but hey, well, it's fine. We'll move on. But yeah, so West Texas Redneck. So yeah, I, I really I was a huge fan of that gimmick too. That was really cool. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Mister Perfect. Anyway, he's in WWF now. This yes. must be early in his career. Um, this is he's probably been there for a little while. Like he defeated Ken Patera in this match. So mm-hmm. right. Uh, we had the Big Boss Man. He was there. Nice. Another great wrestler for his generation. Defeated Coco Beware. Yep, I love Coco. Uh, one of my favorite teams, all right, in the WWF. Now they're not as good as the uh, WCW version, but we had the Powers of Pain, brother, the Barbarian, and the Warlord. They defeated uh, Nikolai Volkov and Boris. Wow! So they were faces then. Um, yeah, that's what I'm guessing. The Powers of Pain okay. were probably like uh faces around this time. Yeah. You know, the Barbarian, you know, big, you know, like I said, this is the era of the big men, especially when tag yes. teams and stuff. Now, when it comes to the Barbarian, I think his best partner was Ming when they did the Faces of Fear. Absolutely. That was one of my, that's probably my favorite team he's been in. But this team was, you know, very similar. But uh, the Warlord just wasn't as uh, good of a wrestler as Ming was. So Correct. But Ming was a fantastic wrestler. So the next match we had the Red Rooster, uh, Allison's favorite, uh, defeated Scott Casey. So that's basically the bathroom break match. Yes. Uh-huh. I don't even know who Scott Casey is. And uh, Terry Taylor. I mean, I'm Terry Taylor is a really talented wrestler, but that Red Rooster gimmick basically ruined his career, I think. Yes. <laughs> then we had Jim Brunzel defeated Danny mm-hmm. Davis. Not too bad. Sam Houston. Back brother defeated Iron Mike Sharp. All right, then do you think that uh, do you think that Sam Houston drank 47 beers before he uh went on and in, in, into that match? Well, of course, I mean, he's a man, you know, during this particular <laughs> right. you know, this is the 80s, brother. And if you ask anybody, these are men, all right, these are men, they brought beer, <laughs> cigarettes, knives, and poker cards to the for yeah. the wrestling matches all the time, brother. These guys did not play around, they lived the gimmick. Brother, did. by the way, there's cocaine there probably too. So, speaking of that, um, we have uh, speaking of that, <laughs> this match has been really good. We have Jake Roberts. Uh, he defeated Rick Rude, yeah. and this was uh, we talked about this uh, rivalry on the Retro Blood. I think I did it on a special Retro Blood that we did, um, yeah. detailing the rival between Jake Roberts and Rick Rude, which is actually one of the best. Uh, rivals that I think the the WWF had in this particular time, you know, most of it was about Rick Rude trying to uh, um, uh, seduce Jake Roberts' wife. And, you know, they just brought like a lot of realism to it. So anytime you can bring realism to wrestling, it makes for a very good feud, a very good blood feud that they had. Yes, yeah. Jake talks about that on his uh, one of the newer episodes of his podcast I listened to recently. They did one about Rick Rude, and he yeah, he talks about that whole feud with them around this time. Yeah, it's it's a wonderful feud. 
if you check out the archives, we did do that. Um, kind of like detailing a little bit about their feud. Um, it just it just was a really a good one. Like you know, like I said, a lot of times, and this didn't happen a lot, you know, in the '80s and stuff. And you know, you bring a little bit more. Re- well, I probably happened a lot more in Crockett, but in the WWF, they were more like the, they had a little bit more like cartoonish style feuds. You know, more like oh, check out this megastar versus this megastar, or right. this guy has a grudge because he betrayed this guy. You know, and stuff like that. It wasn't like oh, okay, we had this playboy on here, Rick Rude. Saying he's God's gift to to women, but he's oh look oh you're Jake Roberts' wife oh I don't care I still want you to have me anyway like that's disrespect mm-hmm. and then Jake comes in and then fights him it just it just a really good feud that they had um, and then here's a weird match this is basically just to send everybody home happy we have the champ the man himself Hulk Hogan brother versus mm-hmm. Bad News Brown of course he defeated Bad News Brown so. Probably we did a couple of back raking, eye poking, leg drop, and a leg drop, and a leg drop, posing, hugging out of there, no problem. And this was setting up to the um, the nineteen ninety eight of nineteen nineteen eighty eight Survivor Series, um, which would be a uh, a pretty good one. Um, that we had like a team, a Macho Man. Uh, we had, this is when we had the. Um, Macho Man and Hulk Hogan, and they fought um, the Big Boss Man and Akeem. So this is what we're kind of setting it up to on this side. Looks like this Survivor Series that was happening in 1988, uh, which we'll probably talk about in long form sometime, uh, had a little, mostly just like a bunch of tag team matches, except for having like a you know five on five or six on six card and stuff. So we're kind of preparing to get into Survivor Series mode. Um, here on this uh, 1988 review of Halloween. So we got a couple cool stuff happening. You know, we got uh, this, like I said, this particular, I mean, this would have been a fun house show. You know, you got some big, you got some good matches. You got some, you know, like a normal house show. You got some good matches. You got some bathroom break matches. But you definitely have some good characters on here. If you're a big fan of Hogan, which I don't know if I would have been at this time. It just depends how old I would have to be. You know what I mean? What? Do you, yeah. Do, you said you, you when you were young, you weren't watching wrestling around this time. You, pretty much. I. This is about the time I started getting out of wrestling again. I got you. Um, I watched wrestling regularly from about eighty-five to about eighty-seven or so. Eighty-five, eighty-five, eighty-six, eighty-seven, eighty, maybe part of eighty-eight. But I was watching all Crockett stuff. Yeah. Um. And so I was. I mean. I, I mean. Everybody liked Hulk Hogan. Every kid liked Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Um. But I. I at this point, I didn't care about Hulk Hogan, and I really didn't know much about wrestling. Um. Other than what I saw on TV, like you know, I didn't read the magazines really. I saw them in the grocery store, but I didn't really read the magazines. So, um, I didn't really know nearly as much about wrestling as I would learn when I got back into it in about ninety-seven, ninety-eight. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I was watching Crockett around this time and actually there, there, there was Crockett news around this time too. Cause four on November the 2nd, about four days after this movie came out was when Crockett sold to Ted Turner. So the end of Crockett's, this was like right, literally the last days of the, of the Crockett empire. Um, and then it would become WCW like right after that. It's crazy. A lot of moving parts. Coming on over yep. here. Uh, speaking of that, let's talk about a lot of the moving parts that were happening with this particular movie. This oh, Halloween yeah. 4, the return 
of Michael Myers. So the Michael Myers is back. We are bringing him. Um, so let's see some of the little production notes that we have. So after Halloween 3 Season of the Witch, executive producer Mustafa Dakar wanted to move further with the series and bring back Michael Myers. The producer Paul Freeman, a friend of Lacan, with a long list of credits to his name, explained to Fangoria Magazine in 1988 that everybody came out to Halloween 3 saying, where's Michael? Where is he, brother? Cochran ain't doing it for me. Mm -hmm. John Carpenter was approached by Canon Film, who just finished 1986's release of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, to write and direct Halloween 4. Deborah Hill planned to produce the film while Carpenter teamed up with um, Dennis, who under the Jack Martin had written, uh, who novelized both Halloween 2 and Halloween 3 season which to write a script to Halloween 4. Originally, Joe, um, Joe Denton was Carpenter's choice in mind to direct the project. Right. So we have a, that was going to happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, Joe Dante was a huge... He had directed Gremlins. He was a huge director at this point. There's no way they would have been able to get him to do yeah. this. Yeah, he, yeah, he's a little too big at this time. But apparently, however, I caught he rejected um, Ickerson's script, calling it too cerebral. And no, it's too smart. Yeah, too, yeah, too, like, pretty much, yeah. And it's not yeah, any too new, smart for the marks. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Um, I, I'm not really sure. I guess we'll see what his, his his script was, but apparently it was too cerebral and didn't. You know, Akai, he just wanted a more like flesh and blood killer. So I guess maybe in his script he was like portraying more of like a demon type of Michael Myers. Maybe it's like taking over somebody's body or something. Yeah, it was. Uh, from what I understand, it was like um, his idea was like they had. Haddonfield had banned Halloween because of the murders mm. and because they had banned it it was like one of those things that anytime you suppress something it comes back stronger so that kind of brings Michael back because of the because they had banned Halloween or whatever yeah something like that yeah and then basically he got a call from from Deborah saying like hey you know we just want you to know that we sold our interest to the title Halloween and unfortunately your script was not part of the deal so you're out yep, you're out of the deal brother no money for you. Yeah, because around this time, Carpenter and Hill, they have signed all their rights away to Akkad, who gained ownership of the actual Halloween franchise. And apparently Which Akkad... was perfect for them. Yes. Yeah. Because they didn't want to work on it anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, they're pretty much, you know, after Halloween 3 and then, you know, when they didn't, you know, because they didn't have any more ideas for Michael. They, they might have had an idea here and there. But it wasn't, it probably just wasn't, you know, obviously during this time at John Carpenter and everything, he's moving on to like other stuff, like other, he had a lot bigger hits that happened throughout this time. So he's probably just, you know, just let somebody else take care of it if they want it so bad. So, you know, Akad just said he wanted to get back to the basics of Halloween and Halloween 4, and it was the most successful. So, I don't know about all that, but. Uh, as Carpenter refused to continue his involvement with the series, a new director was sought out, Dwight H. Little. A native of Ohio replaced Carpenter. Little had previously directed episodes for Freddy's Nightmares and the film Getting Even. So on February 25th, 1988, writer Alan B. McLurry, a Cleveland, Ohio native, was brought in to write the script for Halloween 4. And apparently he had to write this script in about like 11 days because soon it was going to happen on March 7th of that year. Uh, the writer strike 
was going to be in effect. So he pretty much had right. to develop a concept, pitch a story, and send in the final draft in under 11 days. So, so apparently he came up with the idea of uh, uh, Brittany Lloyd, Laurie Strode's daughter, to be chased by her uncle, who had escaped from the Richmond after being in a coma for 10 years. Uh, Dr. Sam Jeez. Lewis goes looking for Michael with Sheriff. The setting of the place was once again Haddonfield and Noise. The character Laurie Strode was revealed to be half dead, leaving Brittany with uh, with the the family that she babysitted. So the writer told Fangoria magazine, Mick Iteroy, when I first saw the original, I was dating a girl and took her to a theater in Boston to see it. When we were the only ones in the place, but she was climbing all over me. When Halloween 2 came out, I got completely blitzed and solid. I had the best time. <laughs> So when the director, Dwight Little, asked me to write the script, I jumped at the chance. Here I was going to bring the shape, Michael Myers, back to life. It's a piece of film history. He's, tr- he's truly iconic. Uh, so there's a couple you know, drafts and d- extra scenes and stuff that happened in it. Um, you know, obviously they had to um, figure out how to bring Michael back from the fire and everything. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I guess in one of his original drafts, the Sheriff Ben Meeker was to be killed mm-hmm. during the shaped attack on Meeker's house. A fire room had started in the basement and burnt down the entire house. The scene on top of the roof of the shape, Rachel and Jamie, was supposed to be engulfed in flames. This idea was scrapped to budget issues. Instead, a more soap opera feel was incorporated with the include of a love triangle subplot between Rachel, Brady, and Kelly, which I can't wait to talk about. I love those I love triangles saying, better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think this was better the way they did it. Yeah, actually. Um. So yeah, I mean, it basically just you know making the concept to the actual Halloween film. Uh, they they're trying to they were trying to go back a lot to like he was saying like the basics. You know, we don't want to reinvent. We don't want to invent the wheel. You know, we want to have Michael Myers escape out of a hospital. He's chasing mm-hmm. down somebody that he's related to, and he's killing people in his way. But I will give this film a lot of credit. Like we'll talk about, I thought this movie had a really good ending. So, oh God, yes, yes. So this this movie kind of reminded me of like a like a wrestling pay per view. You know what I mean? Okay, we got some, we got some. Oh, okay, we're bringing some people back, you know, into the fold. Um, we got a big character returning. We're, we're setting up his plot and everything, but we also have a good like twist at the end. That makes us kind of want to see, okay, what's going to happen in the other film? So, yeah, big swerve at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. So a lot, of, a lot of moving parts when it comes to bringing all the Halloween series back. So it is pretty interesting, though, that you know John Carpenter and Deborah, you know, released all the rights to Akkad to let him do his whole, basically his whole Thorn trilogy of bringing Michaels back. And um, you know, before we get into the full scene by scene, I just want to ask you, Alice, you know. Like I feel like the Halloween four, five, and six are kind of like the like the middle childs of the Halloween series, but they actually have a lot of like interesting concepts to them that I think a lot of the other movies like borrowed over time. Yeah, that's true. Um, middle child, I think these are some of the best movies. I mean, they're not as good as one, as one, two, and three, in my opinion. Well, technically, four is better than three as far as the movies go, but it's, I, I like, I just love three. I just love that movie. But if you take that one out, it's not as good as one, but it's every bit as good as two, in my opinion. Hey, I would say that on certain parts. 
So, I mean, I the thing I was really interested in this movie before I get into it is, so I didn't realize um, how much the, the 2008-2018 uh, Halloween remake took off this movie. And, uh, you know, so I'm jumping into the uh, DeLorean here and going outside the 80s. But it is really interesting when I was watching it, you know. Uh, you know, in that in that particular movie or the, the new ones that just came out, you know, this past couple of years, mm-hmm. you know, we had um, we had Laurie having a daughter, which was explored in this movie. Yeah. Uh, we had a lynch mob, which was explored in Halloween Kills. We had a lynch mob there. All right. Um, and then we had, um, you know, Michael is, uh, being a, you, you can shoot him more than six times and you're getting back up and we had that explored there too. So there's a couple like little, little concepts that were explored in these films that they brought over to the newer ones compared to just as like, you know, just, you know, creating like their own type of, type of, uh, approach to it, I should say. Yeah. True. True. True that. But before we get into um, this, Allison, do you have any backstage notes you want to talk about Halloween for on before we get into everything? No, I mean, you, you pretty much covered everything. I mean, you know, Carpenter finally sold his rights to Halloween away so that Mustafa Akkad can make whatever movie he wanted and Carpenter wouldn't have to deal with it anymore. Um, so he basically got paid for not working this time, um, which, I mean, and that, you know, that's great. You know, he, he got, I mean, I'm sure he got a good paycheck and he got to move on to do his other larger projects. Yeah, buddy. Because you know he didn't he didn't want to even do Halloween two, yeah. And then you know they brought him back for two and three, and now he's like, we're just gonna cut our ties on this. What was Carpenter working on during this time? Was it Prince of Darkness? Uh, no. Well, maybe Prince of Darkness would have been. That might have been eighty eight. Yeah, let's see. Um, because he did a thing in eighty two. Um, no, he did the Prince of Darkness a year before, 1987. Yeah, he may not have had a movie out this this very year, but um, no, he did. They live. They live, brother. That's right. Yeah, I knew he was working on something. Yeah, they yeah, live. They brother. live came out um, like a week after this, November the fourth, 1988. There you go. So yeah, he was too busy uh, hanging out with our boy Rowdy Piper. By the yep. way, check out uh, Retro Books. They live review last month. Very yeah, fun. Very check fun. the archives out. Check it out, brother. It's good stuff. All right, everybody. Let's get into the full review of Halloween for the return of Michael Myers, brother. Ten years ago, on the night of October 31st, a small Midwestern town fell victim to an escaped killer. Under the cover of darkness, he carried out the most horrifying mass murder on record. 16 people in cold blood. Ever since that night, no one has forgotten his name. And Halloween has never been the same. Now, Michael Myers has come home. He has returned for one more night of unholy terror. here to kill that little girl and anybody who gets in his way. Oh, God. Who's going to be next? Ah! 
the return of Michael Myers. Maybe nobody knows how to stop him. All right. We have arrived. It's October 30th, 1988. We see like this farm town, a lot of like old school Halloween decorations around, leaves falling. We could tell that it's becoming the fall season. I actually really like this intro. Very, you know, cool music, little cool sceneries, you know, very basic sceneries showing like a little small town and everything, setting the mood for the Halloween spirit here. Yeah, I think this looks great, this yeah. very beginning. As soon as I saw this, I was, you know, I, I, it just looks like a, a small town in the fall with the leaves blowing and the barn and the orange kind of sky and the Halloween decorations and the mailbox. I think, I think this looks great. Yeah, definitely a fun uh, setting up the good environment for what's about to come. So we see an ambulance. They're arriving at the uh, Ridgemore uh, Federal uh, Sanctuarium to take... Uh, basically, they're here to pick up Michael Myers. They're moving him from one station to the other. And, you know, we have some of the, the Smith Groves uh, uh, practice transfer over there, and that's where they're going to be moving him to Smith Groves. So they're, they're just talking a little mm-hmm. bit about... Um, you know, like Michael Myers was involved in this fire like 10 years ago, obviously, because this movie actually takes place right after Halloween 2. So in this version of the Halloween trilogies, we are counting number one and number two, um, which we'll, yes. we won't see that later on in the in the timelines after six. We'll just go from Halloween one to different timelines. But the actual Thorn trilogy takes off of one and two. Um, so, you know, some of the t- cops are talking about, like, yeah, these people are crazy down here. Uh, the, fa- the, the one cop is like, their faces. You never you never get used to their faces. And and then some of the guy says, Jesus. And he's like, Jesus has nothing to do with what's around this place. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thanks, man. She's so like, yeah, like, uh, <laughs> I like it how, like, so he's like, okay, you know, you have your worst nightmares here. And the cop says, like, yeah, did you know, like, fucking, uh. Uh, that that fucking doctor shot the Michael like six times. Did you know that? Six times. Six times, and he burned this guy down. But they're okay. You know, there's got a couple of burns on them. <laughs> Other than that, they're okay. Even though we definitely saw Michael like in flames. <laughs> Number two. Yeah, in flames. He was definitely on fire, and then he was in a coma for ten years. <laughs> yes. And uh, so so he's been in a coma from being on fire and shot six times for uh, for ten years. That's, that's what we're supposed to believe. And I like how six times is like the lore. Like, everybody knows that Michael got shot six times. Like, I don't know if, like, did Loomis, like, publish, like, some, like, in a book? So, hey, did, he wrote a book called Six Times. The time I shot Michael Myers six times, brother. It's like a memoir about <laughs> that night. It's like, 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 ten years later, he's never, uh... He's, he's never, yeah. never let anybody forget it that he shot Michael six times. That's the uh, little sidetrack. This is a very, very, very sidetrack. Like one thing I appreciate about, I have to say, it, the one thing I appreciate about the Rob Zombies uh, Halloween movies is the Hollywood yeah. Loomis that we got. When uh, Michael Madow played Loomis, I thought he did a great, yeah. a great job, especially with the old, like when he was like selling his book about Michael Myers and everything, just being the yeah. most arrogant dick. You know, obviously, I like Donald Pleasant's portrayal of Loomis a lot better. You know, the original, of course. But yeah. I just thought it would be really funny if we actually got that like Hollywood Loomis <laughs> with this one. Yeah, did you guys hear about this time I shot Michael Myers six times? All right, Let me, yeah, yes, we heard it before. 
his YouTube channel six times, brother. The time I shot Michael Myers. <laughs> exactly. His book is called Six Times, and that I shot Michael Myers. <laughs> like, everybody fucking knows that story every time they bring it up. So they're uh, they're basically talking about how they're going to be transferring him and getting him prepared to be transferred, Michael. Um, then we see Michael's fallen arm, and this is when we first get the uh, thorn signal. If you if you look closely at his at his hand, you see like a little. It kind of looks like it could it could just be a burnt mark, but it kind of looked like a little symbol, which we'll be seeing yeah. that later on in the uh, in the Thorn trilogy style movies. Mm-hmm. Um. So they're getting him all prepared and everything. And this is when uh, the doctors, you know, talk about, you know, what happened to Michael. And this, this is when uh, one of the uh, the paramedics, I was like, hey, you know, where's Loomis? I thought he'd be here. And, uh, and then this doctor was like, well, <laughs> uh, Loomis primarily doesn't read his memos anymore. Me- memoirs or no memos anymore. Memoir, his petition yeah. is more on the uh, uh, is more of a ceremonial uh, position. And to be honest with you, Loomis. I wouldn't care if he transfers, retires, or dies. Ha, 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 ha. So, <laughs> what I took this has, you know, has somebody who's seen, you know, I'm trying to look at it as like new eyes and old eyes. First of all, the new mm-hmm. eyes is like, okay, we had this doctor who who probably heard all about Michael Myers and Loomis' testimony on him, but probably just didn't listen. He was like, ah, you know, Loomis is just a crazy man, basically. And the other side of me is like, okay, maybe this guy is working for the cult. So maybe he rehabbed Michael Myers to put him back out there in the world. Hmm. So, so, so you would think that at this point, yeah. Well, no. Well, if I, I mean, knowing what we know happens later, yeah, you might think that, but yes. you, you would even think that at this point, because when that was revealed, uh, that that plot point that we'll talk about later, that was like mind blowing to me. Yeah. Well, at this time, like I said, I would either think, okay, this might be somebody who's actually working. Because we've seen that happen in different Halloween movies, too. Where it actually happened in the 2018 version of Halloween, where the doctor let Michael out in the wild to see, you know, how it was. You know, to, to, to actually, see what would happen. To see what happened, basically. And I can <laughs> see, you know, if, if I studied this movie, you know, you know, I'm not just watching it once, but if I actually studied it, like I've had, I could see like, okay, this doctor might have something to do with something because why would you not take Loomis's stuff to heart unless you just didn't like Loomis or you just didn't believe him? I mean, that could be that could be incompetence, but I right. think one of the things could be like, okay, this guy might have an interior motive to happen as well too. Right. So it might be it's, like you could take it as both ways. I'm seeing here. Right. I can't remember. Is this the scene? Um, where we first see Michael move or not yet? No, we saw his we saw his hand move out. You know. Yeah. But, yes. Yeah. That's the one like where when I he say, clenches his hand. Oh no no no! That, that, that's that coming later. up. Yeah, that's coming up actually right. right now. So they move him okay. into the ambulance. All right, and this is when the two um, ambulance uh, workers are. You know, they're talking about Michael and they're talking about. Oh yeah, did you know that uh, uh, Laurie Strode had a niece or no, or had a daughter and stuff, and she lives in Hattonfield? Like, what the hell? <laughs> They're just talking. And then this is when Michael's grabbing his fist and he wakes yeah, up so from hearing the I news. I love this scene. Yes. I love this scene. Let me stop here. So I love this scene because they randomly mentioned this fact <laughs> right that right right when they're yes. like, when Michael's around. Of course, they think he's unconscious, but it's like as soon as they mentioned that Laurie Strode had a daughter, he's just like and he's like back to life again. Yes. Like he's just like pissed off and freaked out, and he's like he's decided he's got to go kill them all. Yes. Like at that moment. And the 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 Laurie Strode's daughter, his name is Jamie, obviously played yep. by 
Daniel Harris, a very young Daniel yes. Harris in her very film um, entry. So yeah. her her debut, film debut. She's she's great in this too. Oh she's yeah, great yeah, now she, I love her. Yeah. Oh yeah, she is she is great. I mean, my God, what a great child actor. I mean, she did fantastic. I mean, she was obviously one of the best besides you know, obviously Loomis. I thought she was one of the best um, actors in this whole movie. Yes. Um. Yeah, so, absolutely. you know, Michael. He after hearing that he now has a niece, he has his spirit has now awakened, and he pokes out one of the uh, uh, um, ambulances guy's face out, mm-hmm. and then he yes. kills the rest. So this is when we see Jamie, young Daniel Harris. She is watching the rain, and she keeps having like nightmares about obviously Michael. Um, which will be explored a little bit later on, but she has like nightmares about him and he, she knows about him, but I don't think she knows like a lot of the detail about actual Michael Myers himself. Yeah. So why does she know about him? Well, well I mean, everybody in town knows about him, I guess. And they had to tell her because, you know, as, as we find out in a little bit, she gets made fun of, Yeah. but like, it's really strange. I feel like that she has dreams of the actual Michael Myers. Like she's completely aware at six years old or eight years old or whatever she is that she, that you know about everything that happened. Well, uh, there's a couple of reasons I could think this. So obviously, you know, this will, might be explained a bit more in the number five, but we can see that there might be some hints of their them being connected. You know what I mean? So yeah, well, yes, for sure. And also, so this is also when we learn as well. Apparently. Here's how we're going to get rid of the Laurie Strode character. All right, everybody. The most iconic character besides Michael Myers and the Halloween franchise, Laurie Strode. Here's how we're... She died 11 months ago. That's it. Yep. No. She, was, she, she died off camera. And I was thinking, okay. So let me get this straight. So this is 10 years after Halloween 2 happened. How old do you think she was during Halloween 2? Maybe like 18? 19 maybe? No, because no, she was still in high school. So, yeah, so she could 16? have been older than 18. So you're telling me this girl she died at... Been, let's say she's 18. Yes. So she... Okay. Okay, so ten. So she'd be 28. So she had... 28. First of all, she had... How old do you think Jamie was in this? Like six, maybe? She's either... She's about six or seven or so, I would think, yeah. So Jamie probably had her when she was like 22. Yeah. All right. What happens? What happened? Oh, fuck. Like, what, what's going on here? <laughs> How did she die? We didn't even get... Oh, she passed away 11 well, months ago. Don't, okay. Don't they say she died in a car accident or something like that? I think might have. I didn't hear that. But, I mean, okay, that makes yeah, sense. I don't know. Died in a car accident. Okay. We can see that happening. But it's just crazy. Okay, you know, we're not going to pay her. She's not going to come back. Ah, we'll just we'll just say it in a passing uh, memo. That will kill her off. So, now Jamie is part of an adopted family. Okay, mm-hmm. and it's gonna be uh, Rachel is like her like like adopted sister, and they're talking about that too. Like you know, hey, I'm not your real sister, but I'm basically your sister because you live with us. And apparently, what it was was, um, I guess she got passed on to this family because uh, Lori used to babysit uh, like their mom and stuff, or maybe her. Wait, babysit one. Maybe of her. Yeah. So right. yes, because the, the the only the only um. The only like person that we know Lori actually babysitted was Lindsay, but we don't really hear Lindsay yes. in the story because the 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 parents, you know, are, are like a little different. Um, so, like I said, you know, we're kind of establishing that they're, you know, they have a good relationship even though she's adopted and this stuff. 
Um, and then she's, you know, um, Jamie's also saying like how she, she can't really sleep for like four days because she keeps having all these nightmares and stuff. Um, she probably just got nightmares cause her mom died, you know? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, that, that'll do one to you for yeah. sure. Especially so, at that age. Yeah. So like, I like how this movie actually, like, if you think about it, it has a little bit more like understanding layers to it. It's not just, Oh, this is just happening. So, so Jamie goes in the room. She knows that the window's open. Uh, and this is when she, um, you know, uh, this is when she goes down there. She's about to do her prayers. It's that, you know, like, lay my soul. It's like that Metallica sound, Inner Sandman. Every time I hear that, pray that they do. Yeah. You know? Yeah, she's reciting the lyrics to Inner Sandman. Yeah, exactly. Duh. <laughs> and then all that, she hears a noise, and then she sees Michael, and she gets all freaked out. She starts crying everything. And then the, the parents come to, to her rescue in the closet, and it was all kind of just in her head. So, but she all so she is having is it is it though is it that's my, that was my question. So, is Michael really there, or is that actually a dream? And she's sleeping in the closet. Well, I think it was. Um, I think it was a dream because we haven't seen Michael get to the town yet. Oh, good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I, I forgot about that. We hadn't seen him actually get to town because my question was going to be like, how long has Michael been under that bed? But yeah, no, um, just, also, how would he even fit into the bed? Yeah, like, this, this one wasn't you, pretty I mean, big. He wasn't pretty. Well, I guess so. I, I guess so. But like, I couldn't crawl under my bed, and Michael's larger than I am. Yeah. So now it is October thirty first, nineteen eighty eight. Is now Halloween, brother. Mm. All right. So this is when um, Rachel's parents are making breakfast and everything. And Rachel is basically like, hey, I have this party and this date that I want to go on with this guy named Brady. Mm -hmm. And they're like, hey, you can't because, like, we need you to babysit Jamie. And they're like, we can't go. We can't do it. The parents can't do it because they're going to go to this party, like always. Mm -hmm. So, obviously, Rachel's upset because she really wants to go on this date with Brady. And then she's getting like, oh, why do I got to bring her and stuff? And this is when Jamie hears it. She's already upset, you know, because a lot of things, you know, not sleeping well, seeing Michael in her dreams. Now she feels like she's a burden on this family. So Rachel goes up there and apologizes. She asked, you know, Jamie, hey, I could take you trick-or-treating and stuff. She's like, I don't want to do trick-or-treating. He's like, okay, what about ice cream? She's like, ice cream will work. Let's do it. So so we're seeing. Ice cream solves everything. It does, apparently. I mean, to be honest with you, if I was her age, or like, hey, we're going to get you some ice cream, I'd be like, okay, problem solved. We're all good. No problem. Well, I'd be excited about that now. It's true. I would, yes. I mean, if you're like, hey, let's go get some ice cream. Like, hell yeah, let's go get some ice cream. Yes. Everything's better now. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, <laughs> Loomis has now shown up, brother. This guy. He has to be my favorite part of these. these. He shows up, right? Yes. He's like, he I, need to, I need to talk to Hoffman. I'm like, oh, shit, here he is. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly what they're like. They're like, uh, this guy showed up again. Damn, he's here. His first line is like, why'd you leave me out? Huh? I've been taking care of fucking Michael for 10 years, motherfucker. You just recently my, my concern? That's basically what he's saying. And yeah. then the guy's like, listen, I've been hearing this for 10 years. All right? It's like, I couldn't do anything. He was a federal prisoner and stuff. We had to let him out. He's like, yep. he's like... <laughs> 10 i've been working on him for 10 years he's no ordinary prisoner all right tell me what day it is Hoffman. You know I, tell me what day it is you know i shot him six times <laughs> i shot him six times he's not an ordinary prisoner he's like okay it's halloween i've heard this before it's halloween 
It's coming at you. Don't you know what you did? All right. And then like Hoffman's like, <laughs> I was like, I don't know if anybody's going to, I don't know if anybody's going to get through this Hoffman, but I think you're the one that needs the mental help. <laughs> yeah. He's officially crazier than Michael is at this point. <laughs> mm-hmm. So also too, so Hoffman gets a call. Lemons is like, hmm? Huh? Like call? And then and it's like, all right, looks like the, uh, looks like there's, looks like the ambulance crashed. And like Loomis is like, all right, I'm off. And then Loomis is at the crash site, you know, looking around and everything. And he's like, oh yeah. And this is what the police were saying. Like, hey, the, this crash happened at night and stuff. And Loomis is like, how many bodies did you find? <laughs> Loomis is like <laughs> that guy. He's like in wrestling. Yeah. He's like what they called the. The heel who may, who has a point. Yeah, exactly. like the Miz is like that a lot. Like he's like yeah. nobody ever listens to him. Oh yeah, no. and he's and he's and, and but but everything he says is, is is actually real and true. But nobody listens to Loomis, and now he's like, how many bodies did you find? Um, and uh, he knows that Michael has escaped. So I like where the cop the the cop guy's like, ah, I'm not sure that most of them got chewed up. I was like, chewed up? Like fuck, that was quick. <laughs> like this because you see the you see the ambulance. It's kind of like in a pond. And it's like turned yeah. over. Yeah, but it didn't yeah. explode. Like, how yeah, did they exactly. get chewed up? I guess there's like alligators in this pond or something that they chewed them up quick. I don't know. But okay. uh, maybe. Yes. But how many bodies could there possibly be, right? There's like a driver and two people in the back. Yeah. So, so there's either like three or four. Well, and if there's three, then Michael's gone. Yeah, exactly. And that's what Loomis, he was like, you know, checking out the, he was going to the water, checking out everything. And he's basically saying like, "Hey, um, you know, like the the cops think Michael is dead. They, see, because they said that this happened in like a crash, and they're saying like, you know, sometimes in crashes, you know, the bodies can go like sixty feet or something like that, so you can't even see them in the distance. We had to go research it. And then yeah. Loomis is like, "No, no, 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 Michael escaped. Okay, he is evil, and evil just doesn't, you know, die like that." And he's like, "Listen, man, you never know if he might have got decapitated. You don't know if his body parts are here. We don't know." All right, and then the Loomis said, "All right, I'm going to Haddonfield. I'll meet you in four hours." I'm like, what? 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 Why are you going there? He's like, "It's like that's where I'll be at. If you guys want to follow me, that's where I'll be at." All right. So uh, this is when now we're at the gas station. Um, the Meek Hills. Uh, I mean, we're at the gas. Sorry, we're at the gas station now. Mm-hmm. And this is when uh, Mike he kills uh, one of the. Uh, gas station um fixers and he takes mm-hmm. his little jumpsuit so this is how michael gets his jumpsuit so you know a lot of time yeah. uh and a lot of movies has been like this you know we, we've seen it in the rob zombie movies we've seen it in the, the newer ones 2018 most of the time when michael gets his clothes he just goes to a random gas station kills the motherfucker and just takes his fucking uh, suit <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it, it. I mean, it shouldn't be funny, but it kind of is that he goes to a gas station to kill a guy so he can get the the, the gas station suit, the yes. coveralls or whatever you call them. But that's like, not as funny <laughs> as how he actually got his mask in this movie. So well, that's true. That's true. So Loomis actually arrives at the gas station. This gas station is called the Penny's Gas Station. Okay. He waves for help, trying to get some gas. Nobody's around. Like he's like, "What the fuck?" So he's just walking around. Loomis is like looking around. He's like trying to say, "Hey, anybody here?" Next thing he knows, he sees the guy, the worker in chains, hanging up, like hanging from the chains, dead. Loomis is like, "Oh yeah. fuck! I know what's going on over here." 
it's amazing that he stopped at the same gas station, right? Well, I guess it's the only gas station maybe between maybe there so. and Haddonfield. <laughs> maybe so. And remember, Michael, he is really good. Like, he's not directly challenged at all. Like, he just knows how to get to places. No problem. Right. It's from our boy Jeff that yeah, yeah taught him how to do all that. Absolutely. So this is when Loomis goes into the front, you know, the front uh, cashier. He sees that the cashier girl is dead on the floor. All right. So he's looking around everything. And then he eventually sees Michael kind of like across, kind of like in the kitchen area. And it's a really cool shot where you get like Loomis. You have like Abraham Lincoln picture right next to him and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, you know, uh, Loomis is like, he's trying to do like a calm voice Michael now. He's like, why now, Michael? Why wait 10 years? I knew this day would come. It's like, don't don't take them and stuff. If you want a final victim, you know, take me. All right, just leave those poor people in peace. Mm. I damn. thought this was great, how he's trying to reason yeah. with him. He's like, God damn you, Michael. God damn. By the way, I'm going I'm to shoot you six times. God damn you, Michael. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Shoots that motherfucker. But then we see that when he shoots him six times, remember? Yeah. Uh, Michael vanished. And he was like, damn it. And then this is like when Numis is running out and saying, Michael, Michael and stuff. And this is when we get an action sequence. And boy, you should have took, you should have seen the bump that Loomis takes. I mean, this guy yeah, can take some amazing. bumps, man. This guy like <laughs> bumps like one of those like heel managers. There's like this like very animated <laughs> big ass bumps. So Michael like drives out in the truck, blows up the gas station. Loomis just fucking dives like a f- half mile long into the barrels and stuff. It was great. So, uh, I thought this scene was pretty, pretty, pretty wild. And we get our first explosion. So, Jamie, she's getting bullied at the school now. You know, these kids were like fucking assholes, man. Holy shit. Yeah. Saying she's an orphan. You got no parents. You suck. I was like, damn, okay. We're fucking 1988 <laughs> schools, man. We're a little tough. <laughs> she's like running out there crying and everything, saying she's an orphan. I was like, damn. Damn. It's yeah. mostly that kid in the Frankenstein mask, too. Remember him. We'll come back to him. Mm-hmm. So now Jamie, she's getting picked up. Picked up. This is when we meet uh, Lindsay. Not the same Lindsay from the the first movie. This is a different one. Um, mm-hmm. she, she's like Ash. Uh, she's like Rachel's friend, and they're talking about um, you know. So now now Jamie wants to do trick or treating now, okay, and but she still wants her ice cream. She she wants everything now. She wants to do both, and Lindsay is, is talking to to Rachel about Brady. And how Brady works at the local Halloween store in town. All right. And then, you know, Rachel doesn't want to go into that store because she is too nervous. Because I guess, like, her and Brady are like, they're not officially a couple. So, but she's like, they both like each other and stuff. So she doesn't want to make, make it look like she's like stalking him and stuff. But Lindsay's like, ah, fuck it. Just go in there and see what happens. So they go to the discount market. Did you ever buy any of your Halloween costumes at the discount market, Allison? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like that's a good place to go if you want cheap Halloween stuff. Still to this day. Yes. So we're in there. We see Brady, and we see these two other guys, and we see them staring at this hot blonde girl named Kelly. Oh, so yeah. we find that Kelly is the daughter of the sheriff. All right, Sheriff Ben. Yep, yep. she's Kelly Meeker. Kelly Meeker, brother. And boy, <laughs> Back in the day, brother. All right. I probably would have tried like this guy did because she was definitely a hot oh, one. Yeah. 
So yeah, we have this nigger super hot. Yes. So we have like this nerd guy. He's trying to go up to her and like he's just like they're just kind of like saying like, hey, just go up there and see what happens. All right. And eventually he goes up there, just like get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> so this is when we get um uh <laughs> this is when we get Rachel. She brings Brandy and Lindsay there, and Rachel goes to talk to Brady right away while Jamie's looking through a bunch of masks and. We, we could see why Jamie's looking at the mask. We see a random Michael Myers mask just like sitting there, like mm. just one. So I guess they're selling the mask now or something. Uh, I mean, I, I guess. I, I guess. <laughs> well, so we're remembering the first movie, we're led to believe that he just stole the mask from a store. So maybe it's just, well, so there's a couple of things I find odd about this. Um, so there, I guess you could say that they're still selling the same mask that he stole in 1978. But the town um, obviously knows who Michael Myers is, and he's like an urban legend of the town. And some people seem to celebrate Michael Myers, and some people just don't want to talk about it. Yeah. But I find it weird that this local store would sell the mask that the guy wore that serial killed all these people like 10 years ago. Yes. I just, I just think that's weird, but hey, you know. Maybe it came in a package of other stuff. Well, remember, Ben Kramer, he wore the uh, mask at Halloween, too. Yeah, well, but but that's the same night, though. That's true. Yeah, this is 10 years later. I don't know. That's very interesting. Right. They're still ordering the mask of the guy who killed all those people in town 10 years yes. later. 10 years earlier. So, Michael grabs his mask. And it's just weird, too, because, like, like that's the only thing I didn't really like about it. Like, Michael actually looked kind of like shit in this movie. Like, he looked like a freaking... I don't know. Just his whole design in this movie, I wasn't a big fan of. Yeah, the mask doesn't look great. Yeah. So this is when Jamie, she's looking around. She grabs the old clown mask. She mm-hmm. calls a clown outfit. And this one's very fam- familiar because this is what Michael wore when he was about her age, too. When he killed yes, his sister. He killed his sister. I've been there. So we're seeing some connection right there. So now Rachel and Brandon are kissing a little bit. And this is when um, Rachel has to break it to Brandy that he, she, he, she, she won't come out to the party with them tonight. And of course, Brady's a little pissed off. He's like, what the hell? Are you just telling me this now? Well, uh, he's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, she waited all day to tell him that. Yes. Like, I mean, I know people didn't have cell phones then, but she could have called him and told him that, that she, that yeah. she couldn't go out. So he's a little bum hurt about that. And this is when Jamie, she's looking and she's in, she's looking in the mirror on her on her on her clown mask. And this is when Michael grabs her a little bit, and this is when she falls and breaks the mirror. And then um, th- this is uh, when we uh, well get everybody to come uh, come get her. <laughs> Loomis tries to hit <laughs> hitchhike. Oh boy! <laughs> so at first yeah. we have these kids, and they're just playing around with him and stuff. Leads them out in the dirt. And then we get, uh, there's a shit ton of wind and stuff. This old pickup truck pick, picks up Loomis. And we have Reverend Jackson is picking up Loomis. Uh, and then this is like, boy, this guy was on Loomis's level. He was some crazy yeah. old reverend guy saying like, yeah. hey, you know, I'm, you know, me, I'm just driving along trying to escape Armageddon, you know, the end of the world. And Loomis like, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. It's like, I knew you were a pilgrim when I first saw you. (laughs) 
And then like they're like, you know, just talk about, you know, uh, there's a lot of damnation stuff and, and evil and how evil needs to be stopped and, and things like that. And it's like, yeah, 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 that's what I'm doing. And then like um, he gives them like the, the drink. Loomis is like, oh, yeah, I'll take this drink, no problem. They start, like, happening and talking to each other. Like, you've never seen so much friendly people, uh, Loomis and this crazy guy. <laughs> well, it's like, a, it's like a whole pickup truck full of insanity. Yes. So now it's not, now it's nighttime, and this is when we're having a lot of the, uh, the kids uh, creating some mischief, throwing toilet paper. Have you ever TP'd anybody's house there, Allison? No, I've never been that much of an asshole. I don't think I did that as a kid, but I might have. But I, I don't. I don't even know anybody that did that. But yeah, I, I know that was, was a big thing back in the day. You know, right? It was either like the night before Halloween, or like maybe on Halloween you would go there and you would TP somebody's house. I seen it happen a couple of times. Like I, I remember vividly in my neighborhood when I lived in Miami. I was walking around. And I know some house house or two got TP'd. I thought that was like a house that didn't celebrate Halloween or didn't give out candy. That's when the kids would do that. Oh well, yeah. Then you deserve it, right? Yeah, exactly. Um. So. Uh. So now the parents are about to leave to go to their party. They're not even dressed up too. They're just like leaving. All right. Yeah. So this is when. Um. So this is when uh, Rachel. She's trying to call and leave a message for Brady, but Brady is already off. Like she couldn't get a hold of him. Uh, Jamie. She's getting ready for some trick or treating. They leave, and now Michael has entered their home. And he grabs Laurie Strode's picture and looks at it. Um, so this is a Loomis. He now needs to talk with the sheriff, Ben. Uh, oh, no, he wants us to talk with the sheriff, uh, uh, Brackett. But then they're telling yeah, him, Brackett. oh, Brackett has retired. So obviously Brackett Maybe. was the, uh, the, the original Haddonfield sheriff. But he has retired yeah, and Sheriff, moved on. Sheriff Lee Brackett, remember yeah. from the first two movies. Yep, yep. And now he lives in Florida. Yep, now he's in Florida. Sipping on those pina coladas, brother. Not giving a damn about Michael. Nope. Loomis so, should retire too. Yes. So now we have Sheriff Meeker. He's the he's the one out here. And then this is when, you know, Loomis is saying, like, listen, uh, Michael escaped in here. Um, you know, he tells him about the whole story about Michael. Um, so first the sheriff not really believing in a little bit, but then he's like, okay, well, like just, you know, he's He's coming here. You know, do you know about Jamie? And he's like, yeah, yeah, we know about Jamie and stuff. Um, and you know, she's like, listen, he, he knows who Jamie is now and he's going to come back and, and get here. And he's like, listen, sheriff between here and Haddonfield, there's six dead bodies. All right. On the way over here. All right, so we have to go find Michael, and we have to go take care of him. And eventually, the guy's like, okay, well, he's not super believing Loomis, but he's like, he doesn't want to take any caution, so he, he agrees to, like, follow along with Loomis, and they're, they're going to go to Jamie's house because that, that's who they feel like who's going to be the um, who Michael's looking for. So this is when the sheriff is like, you know, he, he tells one of the cops, like, hey, we're going to go... Um, protect this girl and then go tell go on the news stations, tell everybody to go lock up and stuff, you know, just in case yep. this stuff is happening. So the sheriff and Loomis leave and we have more, we have some more trick and treating scenes happening out there, which I always like seeing those in movies, the trick or treating. I did scenes. too. I think they're very nice. Let me take a swig of my tea. Mm-hmm. 
So Jamie, she wants to trick all night. Okay, she wants to she wants to get all candy all night. She's having a really good time. And apparently, the bully from earlier, that Frankenstein kid, like said, remember him? He just like, oh, you have a cool costume. Oh, we're all friends now. I'm like motherfucker, didn't yeah. you just like call fuck her an kid. orphan and shit? Like, yeah, this guy. Yeah, fuck that kid. But he's all cool, and they're all like fine now. Okay. So now the uh, the cops and Loomis, um, Ben and Loomis, have uh, showed up to um, Michael's house. I mean, not Michael's house. They showed up to Jamie's house and look looking all over, and she knows they're not there, but they know Michael's been there because yeah, um, he, uh, Loomis saw the little box with the Jamie's fix, picture in it. Um, and this is when. Okay, so this is when Ben tells Deputy Logan, hey, I need you to stay here, and we're going to go out looking for uh, Jamie and stuff. But if you have any, um, you know, if anybody comes here and everything, you know, just let us know. Um, so this is when they're, they're doing some more trick-or-treating, right? And the kids, they get up to, uh, they, they get up to the house with uh, Kelly, uh, Ben's daughter. And they're doing some trick-or-treating. Rachel kind of noticed her a little bit. Uh, apparently, Kelly has a, a shirt. Cops do it by the book. <laughs> <laughs> and then this is when um, this is when Brady shows up downstairs and Rachel gets a, a look at it. And she's like, oh, no, he didn't. He's fucking around with this Kelly girl now. And she gets mm-hmm. all upset. Brady goes, runs after her. And he, <laughs> Brady's was like, well, you know, you like you said you weren't going to hang out with me. I didn't know what else to do. <laughs> like, you blew me yeah. off and everything. Yeah, well, <laughs> like I said, I'm on his side in this. But, uh, but yeah, like, uh, I didn't know what else to do. So I just hung out with somebody else. Yeah. And she was like, oh, you're going to go hang out there with Miss Hot Pants. Mm-hmm. Or Miss Hot Panties. <laughs> So, and during all this melee, Rachel, she's like, she lost Jamie. So it's like, oh, fuck. So now she goes look for Jamie. Um, so now we're, uh, we're at a bar. All right. And the TV station's like saying like, okay, everybody needs to go home and lock your doors now. This, the, the sheriff Ben is calling for a uh, curfew. And they're like, oh, what the hell? Like, you know, why are they doing this? So the, uh, the bartender guy, he tries to call the police station, but nobody answers. So it's like no, nobody's answering stuff. This is like kind of weird. So this is when you know they're they're telling Logan to stay behind. You know they we're, we're having some moving parts where they can't get a hold of the police station and both the like police and Loomis and they can't get a hold of the police station right now. Uh, so we are at like a power plant right now, and I guess this guy his name is Bucky. <laughs> He's like checking like the power grid, and this is when we see we see Michael hiding behind a car. This guy's like. Don't try that Halloween shit with me. Uh-huh. <laughs> and of course, Michael grabs him and throws him into the power grid. And this is how the whole town now loses um, power because he threw Bucky into the whole grid. So, uh, so now it's we're not, yeah, right. <laughs> so we're seeing more like trick or treats around the town stuff. Um, Rachel is still looking for Jamie. Can't find her at all. And this is when Jamie is also looking around at night as well too. And then Rachel's looking around, and then she finally, she's like, I guess she runs into Michael. Or she sees him for, like, a little distance, and she starts getting creeped out, so she runs. And uh, and then we have Jamie, she's on the street alone, too. 
and her threat was, I have a big dog and it bites. <laughs> well, uh, that's a good thing to think of right yeah. off the bat, right? That's pretty good, yeah. So this is when Rachel finally catches up to her, and this is when we have Ben and Loomis. They finally show up, and they meet with them as well. And then, of course, Mike starts to look on, but then we notice there's a bunch of Michaels hanging around everywhere. All right, so these all like all these Michaels are popping up, and Loomis is going crazy. This motherfucker yeah, he's about to lose his shit. Now he's about to lose his shit. But he's about to grab the gun and start shooting one of them. <laughs> yes, he, he was about to shoot. Yeah, because he, and then, and then he's the like, they clone Michael. They clone Michael. There's six of them. I got six bullets. <laughs> Let's see what happens. <laughs> I can only shoot them. I can them. only shoot them one time each. One time each. So the kids are like, oh, shit, we're playing around. They go off here. And police, police guy's like, hey, don't do those again. Or I'll give you guys more curfew. Not the only guy killed by this guy. <laughs> Man, this guy's a pretty, uh, pretty easy sheriff. And then, of course, they leave and the real Mike looks on. So they go to the police station and it's all tore up now. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, shit, this is like a bloody field. And then, of course, Ben was like, they wouldn't give up without a fight. And it's like, looks like they gave up pretty well. <laughs> These guys are not. <laughs> <laughs> they got destroyed. And then uh, Ben was like, how can a man do this? Of course, Lim was like, he's not a man. He's evil. Haven't you read he's my evil. book? He's... Have you read my book? Yes. Six shots? Six shots. <laughs> Come on, I told you this a thousand times is evil. Is that a man? So now we have the town mob. They, they, you know, they were looking for the police station, and now they all show up. All right, because they uh, they rallied to see what was happening. They all went to go to the police station to see what's happening. They start arguing a little bit and stuff, and then Loomis tells them, "Like, listen, everybody, this is Michael Myers. You know that guy that came here ten years and butchered your own. He is out here now. You need to take the the law in your hands now." And then Ben's like, "What the hell, Mikey? Created what the hell? What the hell, Loomis? You created a lynch mob." And Loomis like, you don't have a police force anymore. These are the best you got now. Yep, these rednecks. Yeah. So, um, so now the uh, the Logan, the deputy Logan, who was at Jamie's house, figured out what happened at the uh, police station. He's like, okay, well, I'm on my way. I'm getting out of here. And we noticed that Michael snuck into Logan's car. So now the uh, and then this is when the Jamie's parents, after that, they they arrive home and they can't find where everybody's at. Um. So now we had the lynch mob. One of them says he sees Michael in the distance. So they get out of there and they just start shooting like fucking. They just they didn't even like check. They just shoot every round that they have in their in their chambers. Yeah, but I think that's how people would. Re- I think that's a. I think that's a realistic uh, thing because I think that's how people would react. Like, oh, that's him. Kill him. Yeah, kill him. Yeah. Yeah, and it's <clears throat> and it's not him. Like you know, we've seen that many times before in movies and in real life. Where somebody thinks uh, they're convinced somebody's done something, so they get a lynch mob to chase them down, and it turns out they didn't really do it. Yeah. So then, uh, then, then what happens? They start shooting, and then what happens? <laughs> so one of them says, "Shit, Earl, that's Ted Holster. You Uh-oh. dumb son of a bitch. You said it was Myers. <laughs> well, yeah, my we bad. A local. My bad. Oops. <laughs> and then we got our boy Brady." We got our girl Kelly, and they're getting it on by the fire, brother. Mm-hmm. This boy is a Bray, great scene. Our boy Bray is like, listen, your dad is not over here. All right, this is Halloween. Fuck that Rachel girl. You're way hotter anyway. Mm-hmm. All right, how about you take off that nice shirt? And let's get it on, girl. All right, 
So they're about to get it going. Like he is like, he's like, yeah, buddy, let's get it going. She's all into it. I'm all into it. Next thing you know, oh shit, my dad showed up. <laughs> oh fuck. He's like, yeah, if he finds you, he's probably going to kill your ass. <laughs> <laughs> so they get all dressed and stuff like very quickly while they're all walking up to the door. And we have, of course, we have Ben, Rachel, Jamie, and Loomis all show up. So they get inside. Um, of course, you know, Rachel, she knows that like Brady and Kelly are getting it on now. She's like pissed. So they, they, she takes Jamie up to the top room. Um, uh, Logan's about to show up as well too. And Brady's like, well, you know, what the hell's going on here? He's like, Ben's like, Hey, do you know how to use a gun? He's like, yes. All right. Do you know, I need you to go upstairs. I need you to like bar some of the windows in. He's like, what's going on here? What's happening? He's like, I'll let you know what's happening, but I need you to go upstairs all right. And by the way, if you're trying to fondle my daughter, I'm gonna use that gun on you. So now Logan has showed up, and so Logan goes back into his car to get a gun, and he notices that his 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 car is open. He's like, but he doesn't really think too much of it. He's like, oh, okay, this is weird. So he puts it back in. Um. So now, uh, now uh, Brady he is goes to visit Rachel, and he wants to like, hey, you know what what's going on here? And she tells him about Michael and how Michael is like Jamie's uncle and everything. And then this is when Brady's like, oh, shit, I've heard those rumors before. And, okay, you know, you know I'm going to go up the stairs and bolt these windows. So make sure everything's good. So now Kelly tells um, Logan and Ben, like, all the windows are good. They're, they're being bolted in. Um, and then this is when uh, Ben tells Logan to go watch, you know, the front area. And then we have Grady up in the attic, and he's taking care of the attic area. Uh, of course, Jamie, she's like, I don't want to be here. I want to go home. And this is when Ben, he's trying to radio out of town now. So he tells, like, you know, Loomis and stuff, like, hey, uh, I'm going to try to radio and try to get a contact um, with the station. Uh, my radio's not working too well, but I'm trying to get it going. Um, so, you know, Logan's, like, sitting there in the chair watching everything. Uh, Kelly's making some tea for everybody or coffee for everybody. Uh, so we, we're kind of getting all the the, 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 the signals here. Um, so, you know, Logan's basically trying to, you know, the deputy's trying to ensure everybody, you know, they'll be here soon. We'll take care of all this stuff. So when, when Loomis and Ben finally get a hold of the police station that's out of town, at first they think it's a Halloween prank, but they're like, listen, no, it's not. Get them over here. Yeah. Well, they're calling the state police, right? Yes. Yeah. It's, I think it's amazing in these movies how they always find a reason (laughs) for the radio not to work. I know. I said, yeah, I was looking at, I was working on that last week. It's not working. Yeah. All right, so now Loomis, he's going to leave. She's like, all right, we got everybody safe, bolted up in here. Listen, guys, I need to go to Jamie's house because I'm pretty sure that's where Michael's going to go to try to go find her because that's who he's looking for. Mm-hmm. So Loomis leaves and he doesn't take anybody, he just goes by himself. This is when we have Kelly. She um, runs into Rachel and she's basically saying, like, listen, I didn't know you and Brady were a thing. Rich is like, I don't believe you. Like you knew that we that we were, you know, we were something. And she's like, Well, it's not like he was married to you or nothing. All right. And she's like, Listen, sometimes you just gotta give men what they want. If you don't, you're gonna be losing uh men like you lost Brady to me. And of course Rachel gets pissed, so she takes a coffee and pours it on her. Yeah, that's right, bitch. Alright. So <laughs> so um so Ben he's he keeps calling, you know, to get some updates about them coming through. Um, Rachel's down there now. 
and he's Ben's like, okay, I need you to listen to the them on here, and uh, when they they're they're gonna radio you back when they're gonna be heading on their way. So just keep keep a keep a lookout. So Ben has to leave because of he got a he got a call that you know those that lynch mob are shooting up people. So he needs to go there and talk to them, like calm them down. So this is when we get and a, possibly arrest some of them for kill murder, but yes. that's I guess not the point at this right now. Yeah, exactly. He's just like yeah, pro- pro- yes, he has to do all that pretty much, and he's like the only one to do it because he's like one of the only cops alive. All right, so Jamie wakes up a little bit. Um, Rachel, you know, um, Ra- you know, Jamie's waking up now. Uh, Kelly brings some more coffee to everybody. She's trying to bring some coffee to Logan. He's like, hey, Logan, you want this coffee and stuff? He's like, yeah, I just kind of want to go home, too. I wish we were watching MTV while we can wait. I don't know why the lights <laughs> have to be off. And then she eventually looks over. She sees the dead Logan on the couch. She's like, what the hell? And then Michael was the whole guy in the chair the whole time. And then he takes the shotgun that Logan had, and he impales Kelly. And there she goes. Oh. Yep, the mean the mean one. girl gets killed. The mean girl gets killed. Damn. It's always the hot ones. Let mm-hmm. me take a little swig for her. <sighs> what could have been? So Pour Rachel. Pour one out for Kelly. Pour one out for Kelly. So Rachel now gets a call saying, like, hey, you know, the state trooper will be there in about 35 minutes. And she's like, okay, over and out and stuff. Um, so now, um, so now um, Rachel goes up there to tell Logan, like, hey, they're going to be here in, in, in 35 minutes. And she's looking around. Then she she sees dead Logan and dead Kelly. And she's like, oh, fuck. She's like freaking out now because she just realized that Michael's here. Uh, she goes to look for Jamie, but Jamie's gone. She can't find her anywhere. Eventually, she runs into Grady. I mean, uh, Brady. And, uh, and, you know, she gives him the shotgun and everything. And... Um, and uh, they're trying to like, you know, try to get out of the doors and stuff. And, and <laughs> so they're trying to get like into this door, like out this door. And Brady, this is like a weird line. Because Brady's like, oh, fuck, this door's made of metal. And Ash and, and Rachel's like, it's metal. What does that mean? Like, what the fuck do you think it means? It means it's made out of metal. Right. I, I was confused by that, too. Like. And we, do we get a payoff for that? We don't find they out just why shoot it's it. made out of metal. Yeah, they just, they just shoot it. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, oh, it's just made out of metal. Okay. So um, they find Jamie and Brady can't, uh, so they find her kind of upstairs. And then this is when Michael's going to be up there and, and he can't really shoot the gun. Like, remember when Ben was like, hey, you know how to use this thing? And Gra- Brady said, yes. Apparently he doesn't know how to use it. Yeah, um, he was lying. Yes. So when he finally gets the, the, um, the gun loaded a little bit. He starts missing Michael a lot. And then eventually, eventually like he, he's trying to like fight Michael with the gun and Michael grabs him by the throat and he basically like snaps his neck and kills him. So mm-hmm. now everyone, now everyone is dead except for, basically except for Rachel, Jamie, Ben Meeker and uh, Loomis, right? Yes. Basically. Yes. Yeah. So now the two of them like, um, um, Rachel and everything, they go up to the, the roof, the attic to escape. And this is when we get the whole um, attic scene where they go on top of the roof. We have Rachel and Jamie on the roof. They keep sliding down the chimney, which I thought was pretty good for effect. You know, it's pretty 
pretty crazy where everybody's slipping and falling and stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know why they think going to the roof is a good idea, but yeah. it does make a good good part of the movie. Yes. So Mike is attacking him and stuff. Um, eventually, Jamie kind of falls off a little bit, but she kind of gets caught where she's not falling off like completely. Uh, Rachel is basically just hanging on, on the roof and everything, and then she takes a big bump after that. And um, Jamie, you know, tries to be like, hey, you know, you're okay. And makes sure Rachel's still alive, but Rachel's pretty much gone. And then she can kind of see Michael Myers coming back. And this is when we get the chase scene with Jamie, like, running away saying, help, help, help. Which I thought was a pretty creepy scene. And Michael just following yeah. her while she's running and stuff. So Rachel wakes up now. Uh, Loomis grabs uh, Jamie. Uh, I guess he ran into his he saw her and stuff and he grabs her and stuff. Um, and then Loomis is like, okay, we can't go back to your house, but where's your schoolhouse at? Take me to your schoolhouse. So they're going to go hide. Uh, Loomis and Jamie are going to go hide in the schoolhouse now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll talk. When we get to the schoolhouse, I'll talk about that. I also think it's funny that he says the word schoolhouse like it's yeah. like 1855. Or <laughs> no. Where's your schoolhouse? <laughs> Where is it at? Like a little house on the prairie or something. <laughs> so they break into the schoolhouse with a loud alarm. <laughs> Are you going to find yeah, where we're so at? This is, this is my question. So I thought this was I thought this was really weird at first, but then I guess it makes sense. So like, so we break in and this alarm goes off. So now Michael knows where we are for sure. Yes. Where we, where we could hide before, but now Michael knows where we are. But I'm guessing my, uh, my uh, kayfabe reason for this is that um, – they're setting off the alarm so the sheriff knows where they are and he can come help them. Yes. Maybe. That's the only thing I can think of, too. Like, they're setting up the alarm, making those big sounds so they can, you know, like, when the when the cops get there, the state police get there, and the sheriff, like, they, they know a ruckus is going on around that. Right. Because I can't really figure out why the schoolhouse would be a, a really good place anyway. That's the only thing I could think um, of. Yeah. So they start running around. They start wandering around different of the schoolhouse and everything, you know, different rooms. And eventually, Michael shows up and just fucking throws Loomis like a piece of trash up in the window. I was like, damn, this guy taking bumps everywhere in this movie. So like, so Michael like throws Loomis like into this fucking room, and then like his mask looked all weird in this one too. It looked like it looked like it was Michael Myers' mask, but it wasn't like painted white. It's a really weird scene. Well, his mask is looking like really weird. It kind of looked like they just picked out the Captain Kirk mask and didn't paint it. And didn't paint it, yeah. <laughs> so now Jamie is like, after that, she's just wandering around the whole place, like looking for a place like empty halls and a place to, you know, hide because Loomis just got thrown <laughs> again. So yes. uh, Michael shows up around in front of, like, kind of like in the staircase. And this is when Jamie falls. Um, and this is when she Michael's about to grab her. And then Rachel comes in and she uses the. Wrestling fire extinguisher on her, on him. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Yeah, buddy." Uh, Extreme Rules yep, would be it'll proud. Stop. It'll stop anybody. Yes. So this one, Earl shows up, one of the town lynching guys. I guess the Ben never got to him or something. And we, we this is when we get, um, this is when we get uh, Rachel and Jamie like, "Hey, hey, you know, Michael's in there and everything." And at first, some of the the mobs wanted to be like, "Let's go get him," like. Rachel's like, no, you guys don't have a chance and stuff. You'll like die if he goes in there. And then somebody, the, the, <laughs> you like die. The, the, the troopers, the guys were like, you know what? You're right. Let's let's let, let the troopers take it. That's what they get paid for. Let's get out of here. Yeah. 
So they leave town, right? That's where they're going. They're out of town now. All right, so they're leaving town and stuff. They're on Route 101. Uh, they see some of the cops on there, and the cops like, hey, you know, just go that way up to the safe spot. All right, so they're driving on past the fog and everything. Michael appears right behind the truck. Guess he was there the whole time. Guess he was there the, the whole time. <laughs> underneath the truck the whole time. He kills two of the town folk that were on, uh, on the back of the truck bed. Um, he grabs, he rips up in, uh, into the windshield. He grabs Earl's face and just rips that shit off. And then fucking Rachel's just like, get the fuck out of here. She pushes Earl's dead body out of there. And she takes the control of the wheel. This is when we get some fucking back and forth. We get some Dukes of Hazzard shit going on here. With Michael oh, yeah. flying on there. Eventually, he like, gets his face onto the windshield. She stops. Michael's body flies over. She runs his ass over. All right. Kind of pushes him out to like a field. Mm-hmm. Um, this is when we get a weird Jamie like looking at Michael. Kind of like this is when Rachel gets out of the car and goes to the police and stuff and some of the mob. And this is when Jamie looks at Michael kind of weird. And, you know, she I guess they're, they're, Rachel and the police were talking a little bit. And one of them knows like, hey, you know, get away from her, Jamie. We saw Jamie like caressing Michael's hand. I think Michael's yeah. about to wake up, about to stab her, and before she, before he can do it, they shoot his ass down, brother. So yeah, they shoot him. They, they supposedly shoot him enough times to kill him. And it actually looks like half the shots, like when you're watching it, like missed him. Yeah. <laughs> so this is when we shoot him dead, and he just falls down into like the grave sight mm-hmm. hole or something. And um there is a deleted scene that I think they actually use in like number five. Where you see like Michael you see like Michael in this hole and he's like, you know, he fell down to a little like ditch area. And he's like getting up and stuff. Yeah. The cops go to him. They see him like, okay, blow his ass up. So they put a like a, a dynamite in there and they blow up the actual grave. But then you see Mike's body like he get, he gets out of it before it blows up and he just goes downstream. So yeah, yeah, that's in Halloween Five, right? Yeah, but it's also a deleted yeah. scene they use for four. But oh, okay. um, they 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 you basically kind of use that on five as well too. But uh, so after all this happens, so, so wait a minute. So in this movie, mm-hmm. if they hadn't deleted that scene, they would have shown Michael surviving. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, okay. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure they were like, okay, we, you know, we're going to be making a lot more of these films. Like, we want to do, like, at least two. Two more. Yeah. So, I think that and they might have they might have had it in their head. Like, hey, let's do at least a trilogy or something. Mm. So. But now we're back at home. We're back at Jamie's yeah. house. Uh, we have Jamie, Rachel, and their parents. Uh, they're, you know, uh, we have Ben there, too, with Loomis. Loomis walks in, and, like, you know, Ben's like, okay, you know, it's evil. And like, Loomis like, yes. He's like, yes, the evil is now in the grave where he should have been this whole time. You know, finally dead and buried. It's gone right now. And this is like, okay, this all is all over. This is all, all over now. It's all over good. You guys shot him more than six times. I didn't think of that, but I guess that's what we had to do. <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, the mom's like, okay, I'm going to take Jamie upstairs and everything. And Ben's like, man, I don't know if these kids can, can deal with this. And I'm just like, they, they survived this ordeal and they can. They, they, could, they could survive the memory of this as well, too. Mm. So this is when we get the first-person view. Kind of like how we saw the original Halloween. Yeah, exactly. Just like in the original yeah. opening credit or the opening scene of the original Halloween. Exactly. Well, she grabs some scissors. 
She goes. She's already has her clown uh, outfit still on, and she scissors uh, her uh, stepmom or her mm-hmm. adopted mom. And we hear the noise. Everybody runs upstairs. Loomis sees uh, Jamie bloody with scissors, deadly scissors in her hand, saying, no, no, no. no. It's about to shoot her ass, but then Ben comes in there yeah, and he's... intercepts it. And Loomis, you don't care, Mel. Anything that like Michael no, he's gonna, or He was going to blow her brains all over the wall. He yeah. was not going to do this He yet. don't play around, bro. He's just like, I don't give a fuck. You look like Michael. Yeah, he was going to shoot her like six Michael. times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, six times. It's like, yeah, that's how you stop him. Uh, and then Ben stops this, and then they all look at Jamie, and they all look like shock faced in the end movie. And I thought that was a yeah. perfect ending, like a really good like, a, cliffhanger. Yeah. What a great ending. Yeah, it was fantastic. This movie is really good. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's a very nice one. Like, it's, it's not too complicated. It's pretty easy to follow along what's happening in the mm-hmm. stories. We have a couple, you know, not the most gruesome death scenes, but we don't really need a lot of those. Um, right. Like, I like pretty much everything about this movie. You know, the storyline's pretty good. The Halloween stuff is really good. It's really easy to follow yeah. along. We get a very entertaining Loomis in this story. Uh, we have a love triangle, you know, with teenagers doing their thing. Um, you know, uh, Daniel Harris, the, the Jamie character, was pretty interesting uh, where they're going with that one. And it lives with a really good cliffhanger of what how we can see this character evolve over time as well too um the only thing like i said i didn't really like about this movie was like the 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 actual outfit of michael myers i thought it looked a little bit too like i don't know it just didn't look that menacing it just kind of looked like a cheap halloween costume it, that's what i was gonna say it looked like they just went and bought a michael myers mask at a at a store yeah. which i mean that's what it's supposed to be right like it's supposed to be a mask that he just stole from a store yeah but it doesn't look nearly as good as the original mask looked Exactly, just something about it, and just his whole body shape in this, uh, just look a little goofy. So, but that has been our review of Halloween for the Revenge of Michael Myers. Everybody, continuing the return of Michael Myers. Oh, the return! Oh yeah, yeah. Ooh, the return of Michael Myers, brother. All right, coming back for a vengeance and definitely fun. But join mm-hmm. us here next week as we finish out the Halloween series review with Halloween five, the revenge of Michael Myers. Brother. Yep. That should be a fun one to talk about. And we'll talk a little bit about six, wait. probably, you know, just here and there about some stuff that happened. Um, but do you have any final words, Allison, that you'd like to leave us with this Halloween for? I was going to say that. I mean, I, I really like it. It's a simple plot. They give us a reason for everything. The power doesn't work because Michael threw the guy into the power grid. Um, you know, they give, they give us reasons that all these things are happening. Uh, one thing I like about these movies is I love the, I, the way they, um, get they they always have the Halloween parties, which gets the, uh, parents out of the story, but they did that in one and one and two. And also in this one, which I think is kind of cool. Um, this was definitely like, you know, back to basics, Michael Myers. And I, and, um, I mean, I like this movie. I'm all for it. I, I watch this. I haven't watched it in a long time, but I do watch this movie fairly regularly and um yeah that's good great movie very fun everybody like i said this is like a very um this is kind of like a hidden gem for me a little bit you know i kind of like every time i watch this movie it, it's like like i said it's not the most exciting halloween but it definitely has a lot of good concepts to it and it's a very fun movie to watch so and like i said it always has a good twist ending as well too 
Like I said, everybody, join us here next week on the Retro Blood for Halloween 5. In 5. And we will also be doing next week, too, we will be telling everybody what the Halloween Havocs that we will be reviewing for for the Lights Out podcast because we were doing the battle of the Halloween Havocs, brother, and we were revealing the two shows that we're going to be battling it out on the Lights Out podcast that's going to happen in on Halloween. I should say. On Halloween. And we'll also be telling you what our final review for this month will be on that show as well, too. So a lot of stuff happening next week here on the Retro Blood. But Allison, what should we leave everybody with some songs with today? What should we what should we leave them with? Oh man. Uh this is the first time I'm at a loss for picking a song. Um I don't know. What do you think? You want to lead them with leave them with some of this uh not so good quiet riot album or what do you want to pick yeah let's do the quiet riot might as well might as well uh how about we do um uh stay with me tonight the opening track as well for the quiet riot qr album how about we we do some staying with me tonight brother because you know michael myers is staying with everybody tonight trying to trying to get to his niece we have jamie turning to the dark side we got all kinds of crazy mm. shit happening. We have Brady getting uh, getting with Kelly. Yes, we have Brady getting with Kelly. Staying with them tonight by the fire, brother. All right, everybody. This has been Retro Blood. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you next week. See you.
early, baby. All my satin sheets take off your satin dress. Too much to handle.